Hi, welcome back to the As You Are podcast. All right, who's ready to read their Bibles, ladies? We are about to dive into a series about the book of John, which we are so pumped about because we just love the idea of studying scripture with y'all. Today, we're going to do some historical context and then dive right into chapter 1, verses 1 through 18, which is an intro to the book. So settle in. All right. I'm so happy we're doing this, Anna, because I feel like scripture is very intimidating Mm-hmm. And it often can be the most daunting part of our relationship with God, but it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah. I want to really encourage y'all to lean in and build a little confidence when it comes to studying the Bible and spending time alone with God, because I think it will change your life. I think it will change your relationship with Him, and I think that you will get so much out of this. And what better book to start with than the book of John? Because it focuses on Jesus and his life and the evidence that he is God. So I think that we've talked a lot on our podcast about learning to discern the voice of God in our life, learning to walk with God. And the way you do that is by getting to know him. Jesus is the tangible image of God. So let's look at his life. But before we dive in chapter by chapter, I think it helps so much to look at context. Yeah. So who wrote this? When did they write it? Who were they writing it to? Why were they writing it? Anna has a lot of stuff to share on this. But before we do that, I just wanted to tell y'all, we don't have this knowledge memorized. <laughs> there are so many good resources. I have the Passion Translation um, Bible that has some study notes in there. We're Googling. We're looking everywhere. So if you're feeling intimidated by our knowledge, please don't, because we don't know this stuff. We're just looking it up, (laughs) preparing to dive in to the book of John. Also, just like what you're talking about, too, I think sometimes the Bible can feel like a textbook that we need to know all the information. And the reality is like, we're never going to know it all. Like, that's what's so beautiful about the Bible is there's so much to learn and like, Every time we come back to it, there could be something new that we see. And it's a relationship. Most books you read are like you're reading them for fun or you're reading them to learn something. But the Bible, you're reading as part of a relationship with God. And that's like very unique and I think hard to wrap our minds around. So like, I don't know. I love what you're saying about like we just want to enjoy scripture together and like read scripture together and not have it be something that feels intimidating because it shouldn't. But we also know the reality that sometimes it does. You know, like, does that make sense? Oh my gosh, yes. Honestly, I am 33 years old and I've been a believer since I was in elementary school. Like I have loved God for a really long time, but scripture is still intimidating to me. And it hasn't been until the past couple of years that I've seen it less as a task to succeed at you know like any of you girls out there who are good at school and value studying and doing well in school it can seem like okay we have to do well at scripture (laughs) we have to like understand it but I've started to see it from a relational point of view where it's like okay god like you pray beforehand and you just sit with the scripture that you have time to look at that day that you're carving out this special time for you and god And you're like, okay, well, what do you want to reveal to me about yourself today? And I think just releasing the pressure and inviting 
got into it. Maybe for this series, instead of praying yeah. at the end, like we're going to start the podcast by praying at the top and being like, Lord, we just yes. pray that you I would love be that idea. a part of these conversations. And we pray that you would reveal more of yourself to us. Like that is something when I, like y'all, even this morning, like sitting down to have a quiet time, I literally was like, I don't know what to read. I, I thought to myself, I was like, I need to get a study yeah. because right now I'm feeling like, what am I going to read? I don't want to just like read through a random book just to read through it. That's just like right. full disclosure, full transparency, even like what you're saying at an older age, I still need help understanding and like walking through the Bible. So hopefully this will be a tool for that. I love that you said that because I was thinking about that. It's just such a good habit to get into to pray before you do anything else. And before, especially before studying scripture, like if not, then you're just sitting down to read a book. But if you're praying before, you're like opening the conversation of like, hey, God, like I want to study this word. Like, would you help me? But yeah, maybe before we like really get into it, um, Emily, do you want to pray to open us? Yeah, I would love to. God, we love you so much. And reading your word can be intimidating. And I just want to ask that you would give us all grace for ourselves and grace as we are learning to navigate our relationship with your word. I pray that you would show up in a powerful way through this study that you would show us more of who you are in incredible detail and that our intimacy with you would grow through interacting with your word over the next several weeks or however long that we are spending in the book of John. And I just pray for every single girl that's listening right now, pray that you would honor her decision to spend her time listening to something that's focused on you. And I pray that you would honor it by showing up powerfully in her life. We love you so much and we give this time to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So yes, the book of John is my favorite book of the Bible. And I've like been trying to think about why that is. I honestly, I'm not 100% sure. I just really love it. I think one thing that I love about John is he tells stories about Jesus interacting with women more than any of the other Mm, gospels do. And so I think that's part of it is I just like love like Jesus and the Samaritan woman, um, Jesus and the woman caught in adultery. Like there's Jesus's relationship with Martha and Mary. Like those are all stories that aren't unique to John, like some of the other Gospels touch on some of those, but John really does talk about Jesus's like relationship with women. And I just think as a woman, that's like way easier to put yourself in this story when you're reading about another girl. So yeah. maybe that's why, I don't know, but some background information on the book of John, um, just to kind of nerd out for a second. What's really cool is all of the Gospels, all four of them, were originally written like to a specific audience. So obviously now the hope is everybody would read them, but like the way that the authors write is for specific people. And so that also helps us understand scripture in a deeper way. And fun fact, the four Gospels, they're technically all anonymous. I know now we call them Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but at the time, which like so clearly those are names, 
But at the time, like when they yeah. were written, they didn't contain any of the author's names, which is actually really cool because the Bible is written by God. So like originally, and we believe God is the author of these, but they were like pinned to paper by somebody, of course. But um, yeah, the the Gospel of John, he never actually identifies himself, but he talks about himself in the book. He calls himself the disciple whom Jesus loved throughout the book of John. So if you ever see that, you can know that that's John, the author, talking about himself, which I kind of love. Like he's he's calling it out. He's like, Jesus loved me, you know? Yeah, which is so cool. It is so cool. And we even know from reading the book of John and also the other gospels that John was part of Jesus's inner circle. So Jesus had his 12 disciples and then he also had his like three besties and they were Peter, James, and John. So yeah, he was actually an eyewitness to what Jesus was doing which is amazing. Mm. John and Matthew are both most likely written by disciples, so they would have been eyewitness accounts. And then Luke and Mark were second generation, so Mark was a disciple to Peter, who was a disciple to Jesus, so he would have had, like, really, obviously, very, 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 very credible accounts from Peter. Um, But yeah, John is, like, He was there. He was in it. He was walking with Jesus on a daily basis. For anyone who's interested in finding some of this stuff out on their own, the Passion Translation has these study Bibles that are broken down into individual Mm -hmm. books or groups of books that go together. And John is on its own. Um, And so I'm looking at the book right now, and there's a little paragraph here that I think is interesting that talks about the purposes behind each of the Gospels. Mm -hmm. So it says, The New Testament, at its beginning, presents four biographies to portray the four main aspects of this all-glorious Christ. So there's a a heart about Jesus behind each one of these Gospels, showing a side of him. Um, The Gospel of Matthew testifies that he is king, the Christ of God, according Mm -hmm. to the prophecies of the Old Testament, the one who brings the kingdom of heavens to earth. The Gospel of Mark presents him as the love slave of God, the perfect servant who labors faithfully for God. Mark's account is the most simple, for a servant doesn't need a detailed record. The Gospel of Luke presents a full picture of Christ as the true man and the compassionate Savior of all who come to him. And the Gospel of John, which we're going to study, unveils him as the Son of God the very God himself, to be life to God's people. So it sort of reveals, Mm. if you read through all the Gospels, it's it's king, servant, fully man, and God. So I love that, and Mm. I thought it's just so interesting. And one of the things it says is that miracles and the Holy Spirit are everywhere all throughout John. So I really like that because I was listening to a podcast kind of – preparing for this by Francis Chan. We can link it on our website if you want to listen to it. But it was talking about if you can find the confidence to get alone with God and be alone with his word and alone with the Holy Spirit, that this amazing thing happens where he shows up and meets with you. And it's just how it was intended to be. So if going to church is the only time that you ever interact with scripture, 
or if hearing from other people is the only time that you ever interact with scripture or interact with God. Or like even this podcast. Right. Like Exactly. We just really want to encourage y'all to carve out some time, especially going into the summer, to spend some time alone with God because it's really powerful. It's not scary. And in fact, I think it'll show you a lot about him and Mm -hmm. it will strengthen your relationship with him. No, it's so true. And like there are things that he wants to reveal about himself that aren't going to come necessarily from church on a Sunday or from this podcast or from they can they of course can come from that but like God wants to have a personal relationship with you and if you think about it like think about your relationship with your friends you know those relationships become intimate and like actually a relationship when y'all do stuff one-on-one you know like it's so fun to hang out in a group, but the friends that you can hang out one-on-one with are your besties. And, like, God wants to be that. He wants to have a personal, intimate relationship with you. One thing to think about, too, is the writers were very particular with how they wrote, and so nothing is an accident. Nothing is just, like, thrown in there to be thrown in there. The way that each book is ordered is really important, um... Hebrew writers wrote in a way that we don't write today. So like there are things that we don't, and again, we're not even going to cover it all on this podcast, but there are things like we we would just miss. And like one is that the book of John is actually split up into several different parts. And so chapter one is kind of like an introduction to the overall story. Um, And I think that's helpful to know because especially the very, very first chapter and then verses 1 through 18 are confusing. Let's read it, and then we can kind of talk about it. Here we go. I'm reading it in the ESV version. Um, So I've switched over from my Passion Translation to my ESV because you can read it in both, but this one's more common, so you all might have this one. Okay. John 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed him in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as the Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. I'm going to stop right there. So yeah, it's, you know, as you can hear, it's actually literally hard to read out loud in the beginning because it's not natural, but some of this is direct quotes from Genesis, which would have been, you know, the Torah. Um, So it would have been their Jewish literature, but I think this is John referencing a very obvious passage from Genesis and saying, Jesus is 
God. Jesus is the Messiah, mm-hmm. which would have been crazy for him yeah. to say because Jews did not believe that the Messiah had come yet. And still to this day, some of them don't. And so he starts it off with a bang, like, guess what? Jesus is God. Right. Those 18 verses kind of tell us exactly what's going to happen in the rest of the book. Because you're right. Like, it starts with in the beginning. So he's saying, like, hey, from day one, like, even before anything was created, because all he's saying is in the beginning was the word, you know? Like, so Jesus was there. It says the word was with God. The word was God. Right. He was with God in the beginning. And all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. I mean, how that is like so hard. <laughs> it's so hard to wrap your mind around. But I believe, or I think what John is saying there is like what you were just saying, Emily, is that, hey, Jesus is God. Like he's fully God. And he was there in the beginning. He was there during creation. And in him is life. And a big theme that we'll see throughout John is like light versus darkness and the importance of light in the darkness. And that also is a huge theme in Genesis, like God speaking light into the darkness and order into the chaos. Like that is a really big theme that we see in John as well. Then it goes on to talk about John. This is something we should clarify. Verse six, it says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. That is not John the author, it's John right. the Baptist, so I think that can be a little confusing. John the Baptist was Jesus' cousin. Yeah, which takes us full circle back to our Advent series, because <laughs> we, we yeah, really dove in a lot Ooh. to that, the story of Elizabeth and yeah, Mary, we even when we talked about the women of the Bible, too. So it's like, you guys remember that Elizabeth was old and thought she was barren, because yes. she had not had children and she really wanted them. And then she found out that she was pregnant and then they were both pregnant. So it would have had to been within 10 months of each other. So John was born first and did miracles and prepared the way for Jesus. Yeah. So he, and we'll see that in like later on in John one. Um, But yeah, that's who John, that's who they're referencing there is that John the Baptist came and was like, hey, the Messiah is coming. Like he's preparing the way. And one thing that is actually so important to highlight in these first 18 verses is you'll see a lot throughout the first 18 verses is he's talking about how the true light, aka Jesus, one, he gives light to everybody that he came to his own people which would have been the jewish people and they didn't receive him but to all who did receive him he gave the right to become children of god and that is huge because essentially what john is saying is like hey jesus came not just for the jews he came for everybody and because of that we all get to have a relationship with god For us, we could just blow by that, but that is huge. Like what he's saying is, hey, you don't have to be a Jew. You don't have to have grown up in this culture. And honestly, for us, like maybe you're listening to this and you're like, hey, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. Like I don't even know what it would look like to begin to have a relationship with Jesus. And what we're seeing from the very first verses in John is like, that doesn't matter. Like Jesus came for you. 
as you are, who you are. Like he came to have a relationship with you specifically. Multiple times in these first 18 verses, he's referencing the fact that he came for everybody. John is highlighting over and over and over again, he came for you, he came to have a relationship with you, and like we are God's children. The title of this first 18 verses in my Bible is Prologue, the Incarnate Word. Hmm. So multiple times throughout it, it refers to Jesus as the word. And I think the reason behind that from a literature standpoint is to show that he is the image of God come to be mm-hmm. with us. And so if the the phrasing of calling Jesus the word was throwing you off, either in Genesis or in this, there you go. Yeah. And... Also, we didn't read verses 15 through 18 yet, yep. so I will finish that up. Okay, verse 15. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God the only God who is at the father's side. He has made him known. So one thing I think that's interesting is John the Baptist is older than Jesus, but he's saying Jesus was before mm-hmm. me because he's saying he's truly God. Also, he's saying through Jesus comes grace and truth. And it's amazing too, because like we were talking about earlier, all of the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John had a specific audience and so like Luke was written more for the Gentiles, which a Gentile was somebody, that's just a label for somebody who didn't grow up Jewish. Um, like it's not a specific group of people. It's just, if you didn't grow up Jewish, you were called a Gentile. It's like a muggle. Yeah, a muggle. Okay, if you're Harry Potter, <laughs> maybe we are going to get shamed for referencing Harry Potter. I don't know. But, but yeah, it's like a muggle. Um, that's actually really hilarious. Anyways, Matthew is specifically written for the Jews. And then Mark was written, actually writing from Rome. So he was kind of writing to like the early church in Rome. But John was written for the Jews and the Gentiles. And the reason we know that is because there's references throughout where he's like very explicitly, like in this first 18 verses, he's saying like, hey, Jesus is for everybody. Like, it's not just for you Jews. It's not just for the Gentiles. There's a lot of Jewish customs that he actually explains throughout the text. Yep. So that's like a key of like, oh, he's writing to somebody who wouldn't have necessarily understood this, which I'm grateful for because I don't always understand it. Um, right. But if he were a Jew reading this in those days especially, uh, you would have understood the law which is the Ten Commandments, um, and then some some extra laws mixed in there, was given through Moses. So Moses literally like came down Mount Sinai, this big mountain, with these tablets that had the Ten Commandments on them. And those were like how you were supposed to live. You know, like it was very explicit, like do this and then do this, and then when this happens, do this. Very like strict rules and what John is saying is like, Moses gave us the law, but grace and truth for when we mess up 
And when we can't be perfect because we're not, that comes from Jesus. We often tell ourselves like, oh, I need to be X, Y, or Z before I come to Jesus. Like, I think that's a lie we can believe is I'm not good enough. But the reality is, well, we are still like called to a higher standard, but there's now grace and truth and not one without the other. Jesus came and he brought grace and truth. The reason that's important is because what it's highlighting is a relationship with Jesus and how like before the law, like Jewish customs, there were so many things they had to do just in order to come into the presence of God, like in order to be in the temple even, which is where they could come and like worship God. Jesus kind of throws that by the wayside and is saying, no, like because of me, because I'm coming There is now grace and truth and we get to have a relationship with him that's not built on like following all these rules. As a result of a relationship with Jesus, like our lives should be changed and it should feel different than the outside world. I think that's really important to talk about is like a relationship with Jesus isn't all grace, like it's grace and truth. Um, But yeah, we get to have a relationship, not just a set of rules to follow. Yeah, one way that I heard this explained recently that helped me a lot, um, because it it helped show me that the law was not bad. Mm-hmm. I think I've always seen the Old Testament as um, God, honestly, he had a lot of vengeance. Like, there was mm-hmm. a lot of death. There was a lot of brokenness. And so I think I have, at times looped the Old Testament in as at least scary. But when you really think about it, God met with Moses, and when he experienced that proximity with God, he was physically changed, which is Mm -hmm. so cool. Um, He brings down the tablets. If you guys haven't read... Exodus is actually so interesting and and so dramatic. Um, (laughs) There's like, there's a moment where Moses brings down the tablets and he gets down there to realize that everybody has gotten impatient and they've built their own gods and they're worshiping them because they grew up in a pagan culture where they worshiped false gods. And Moses had just met with the one true God and was bringing down these set of rules, but they were also parameters for living a life-giving life yeah a whole life there were there were some things that were based on morality there were some things that were based on safety like before we had modern day science that could say hey bacteria grows in these things right they were eating pure kosher is what it's called now because god wanted to protect his people which is just so cool for me to think But um, when he came down there and saw that, Moses got really angry and he threw the tablets to the ground and they broke and he had to go back up and meet with God again and get them back and bring them back down. But it's just those, the law was good, but it was incomplete. And Jesus came to complete the law and and to bring a second, like a new covenant. And so this new covenant, if you look at, my counselor one time showed me like a layout of what, the temple would have looked like and there was 
the temple gates, you go in and there's kind of a big area at the front where everyone can be. And then there's another little inner area where only some people can be. And then there's the Holy of Holies where only, I guess, a priest can be. And they would, when a priest would go in there, it was only like a couple times a year and they would tie a rope around his foot in case right. he died in there. Like, because yeah. it's, they believe that's like where God was. Yeah, they were carrying around a, a box that held the presence of God. Yeah. And so no one was allowed in there. It was incredibly precious and sacred and revered. Yeah. They were so devout. And so it's so cool because when Jesus came and when he was crucified for our sins, the curtain that separated the Holy of Holies ripped from top to bottom. And so it visually signified the Holy of Holies being available to us because of Jesus. Right. So we get to go into the presence of God freely because of Jesus. And that's why it's grace and truth because it is about obedience. Like we do want to walk with God in his ways. He's offering us a life of fullness and hope and joy. And... He's offering us forgiveness for times when we can't be perfect because he already knows that we can't. But he does want us to walk with him. Anyway, I just think the whole picture is so cool. And it's interesting to me how all the different things we've talked about on this podcast over the past year come together in this way. Because it's so fun. Which makes sense because it's scripture. Like it's all connected. It's all related. And also I think it's helpful to note like these first 18 verses are a poem and mm-hmm. I don't know about you guys, but like even poetry that wasn't written this long ago, I have a hard time understanding. Yes. Like, <laughs> I'm not an English major. I'm not a poet. Like, poetry doesn't always speak to me on like the most right. the deepest level. So know that. Like, as you're reading these first 18 verses, like, just know it's a poem. It's okay if it feels a little confusing. Like, Highlight the parts that do make sense. Highlight the words that you can understand and like go from there. Allow the Lord to speak and to move in your heart. I don't know. I think that at least that's helpful for me in reading through. Yeah, we'll stop here for today and dive into the rest of chapter one next week. But the reason why we wanted to start with this is because if you ever have been forced to study poetry and if you study poetry for fun, <laughs> you might have a superpower. Props but if to you. Ever- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you ever I truly admire you. Yeah, I truly do too. Um if you've ever studied poetry in school, you know that it's very condensed, short phrases that are meant to be analyzed and yes. meant to have a deeper meaning. And so that's why it's important to spend so much time once you realize this is a poem, it's referencing the Old Testament, it's saying that Jesus is God, and this is the precedent that's being set for the entire book of John. Right. It's saying what's going to happen in the book of John. Right. It's saying you are about to find out the exact proof and the reasons why I have for claiming that Jesus is God. And so just in case y'all hadn't thought about some of the ways that it ties into other parts of scripture it's cool to be able to reference these so that as we're continuing to go through the book of john you can make those connections in your brain yeah all this to say we are honored and excited to be able to walk through jesus's life with you girls and we hope that you will read along it might help if you actually 
read it before you listen to the podcast. So maybe you can work your way through it, carve out some time early in the morning to read through it, or maybe on your lunch break, whatever it is. And then when you listen to the podcast, you can be like, oh yeah, I remember reading that, but I didn't know what that meant. So we'll tackle chapter one, the rest of it next week. And then after that, we'll move a little faster through because like Anna was saying, chapter one is sort of its own thing. And Mm -hmm. then it's broken up into sections after that. So we are just going to dive on in. Yeah, it's going to be great. There'll be some chapters that we might not highlight. There'll be some that we maybe dive really deep into. But I think that this is going to be a really good couple of weeks. Um, And one thing just before we close, like verse 14, where it says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Like what we're going to be reading these next few weeks is about that. And the message version actually says, the word became flesh and moved into our neighborhood, which I kind of love, like thinking about Jesus is like in our neighborhood, you know, like he, he came to earth to be with us. And so that's what we get to read about the next few weeks. We're going to be reading about what Jesus did when he was here. God came to earth to be with us, to be in a relationship with us. So that's what we're going to be highlighting. We're excited. So the Passion Translation is very different from... It's similar to the message where they change a lot of words to make it more um, emotionally accurate of of the things that we should feel when we're reading scripture based on the context uh, from the original language. So I think it'd be cool to read verses 1 through 18 in the Passion Translation to close us. I love it. John chapter 1, verse 1. It's called the living expression. In the very beginning, the living expression was already there. And the living expression was with God, yet fully God. They were together face to face in the very beginning. And through this creative inspiration, the living expression made all things, for nothing has existence apart from him. Life came into being because of him, for his life is light for all humanity. And this living expression is the light that burst through gloom, the light that darkness could not diminish. Then suddenly a man appeared who was sent from God, a messenger named John. For he came to be a witness to point the way to the light of life and to help everyone believe. John was not the light, but he came to show who is. For he was merely a messenger to speak the truth about the light. For the light of truth was about to come into the world and shine upon everyone. He entered into the world he created, yet the world was unaware. He came to the very people he created and those who should have recognized him, but they did not receive him. For those who embraced him and took hold of his name were given authority to become the children of God. He was not born by joining of human parents or from natural means or by man's desire, but he was born of God. And so the living expression became a man and he lived among us. And we gazed upon the splendor of his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, overflowing with tender mercy and truth. John taught the truth about him when he announced to the people, He is the one, set your hearts on him. I told you he would come after me, even though he ranks far above me, for he existed before I was even born. And now, out of his fullness, we are fulfilled. And from him we receive grace heaped upon more grace. Moses gave us the law, but Jesus, the anointed one, unveils truth wrapped in tender mercy. No one has ever gazed upon the fullness of God's splendor except the uniquely beloved son who is cherished by the father and held close to his heart.
Love that. I love it too. All right. That's all we have for y'all today. We wrapped up our crazy worship night season. We had five worship nights in four weeks, which was yeah. wild. Between those five worship nights, we actually had over a thousand girls, which is amazing. Like it was so, so fun. awesome. And yeah, if you didn't hear the talk, it is on last week's podcast. Yeah. It's called Calm in the Chaos. We love y'all. Bye. Bye.